0: Hello and welcome to the Ten Commandments, an eight-week conversation about some of the most famous words from Scripture. Over the course of this series, we will be talking about what the Ten Commandments meant in their time and how they relate to us today. Tasha and I will be doing this in conversation with Ken House, a member here at First Presbyterian Church and a regular attender of Sunday School for many, many years, so stick around and join us. Hello there, it is Reverend Tasha Blackburn, and we are here with you today on the Ten Commandments, um, a podcast of our Sunday School class. Who have I got with me today, sir?
1: Oh, Ken Peavy House.
0: Ken is very brave today, as are we all, because uh, we're going to finish up talking about the Sixth Commandment, which is do not kill, and then move on to the Seventh Commandment, which is everybody's favorite. Uh, do not commit adultery. So are we feeling brave today, Ken?
1: We're just going to get through it.
0: (laughs) We're just going to get through it. Okay. Well, we talked a little bit about the do not kill last week. Um, There's not a ton more to say about that, or there's three days worth, kind of one or the other. Uh, But we mentioned the cities of refuge in Numbers 35 um, that were put in place for folks who had accidentally killed someone to have a place to flee and we also mentioned that they could make a peace, you know, they had to offer peace to a village before they slaughtered it, (laughs) Um, uh, at least offer terms of peace in Deuteronomy 20. You were telling me you looked up some of that though and found some troubling things.
1: Well, the terms of peace were, you know, yeah, we're going to offer you peace, you can live happily, as our slave <laughs> and if they turn yeah. that down yeah then we get to slaughter all of them
0: yeah this wasn't like a fence issue like here's my terms if you'll let me move the fence one foot toward you know your <laughs> your lawn then we won't have to slaughter each other it was a little more dire than yeah, that
1: <laughs> but I, i'm still a little upset with you know the ten commandments it says do not kill period the end but yet then later on they go and killing's okay under certain circumstances but they don't give those exceptions in the original list you know it's just do not kill which leaves it open to me as you know do not kill each other do not kill your dog do not kill your cow don't step on a bug you know <laughs> it's what does that mean when it put that abbreviated or just are the people at the time supposed to say oh yeah I know what he means and we just don't pick it up now
0: well and we talked about how it sometimes you know if somebody on the street asked you to like recall the ten commandments off the top of your head one of them that you would remember is this one but you might even miss say it misspeak it and say don't murder Right. You might even use the word, oh, don't murder. That's what it is. But it isn't what it is. As you've pointed out, it's much broader. Do not kill. Um, And that's everything from um, accidentally to uh, government sanctioned execution to uh, killing with intent. uh, You know, everything in between. And so clearly uh, you cannot read the Old Testament. Certainly, books like Joshua or whatever—they are full of killing. So, what do we do with that? This is the commandment, and then we read in our own scriptures how it's not kept. Well,
1: but when Phil has been in your position here, he's uh-huh. often gone back and looked at, you know, the original Hebrew of yes. this, and then you know, when I, I've looked at the translations of King James and the New International Version, and one says kill, one says murder. What is the root word that goes back to it? I mean,
0: it is closer to kill, which I mean, do not take a life, and because it covers everything, like I said, from murder to execution to, as they call it, uh, sometimes in the Old Testament they call it manslayer instead of manslaughter. They, uh, it covers, it covers taking a life, and and it's to point to how important it is to preserve life. That is the number one ethical. You know, remember, we are on the ethical end of the Ten Commandments now. The first four or five are about our relationship with God. The last of them are about our relationship with each other. And so we our first and foremost duty to each other is to preserve life, preserve our neighbor's life.
1: Um, and that's the way the audience at that time was supposed to interpret it. Yeah. This was a human-only thing.
0: Yeah. But they fall short left and right. Yeah. You know, left, right, and center. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in the same book they fall. And that feels about right, you know, unfortunately. That's not an Old Testament thing. That's not an ancient thing. That's like this week kind of (laughs) thing. Uh, Well, and then just to kind of put a cap on it, as we've been talking about at least for the last couple weeks, you know, Jesus takes some of these commandments and and this one and the next one we're gonna get into in particular. And he talks about them in the Sermon on the Mount. He just, as difficult as it was not to kill, we wish it was less difficult, but it appears to be difficult. um, He blows it up and uh, says, you know, you have heard that it was said, do not kill. But I tell you, don't even be angry. With your brother or sister, don't insult them, and don't—my favorite part—and don't say "you fool." (laughs) I mean, as I said in Sunday school, well, okay, I blew that like in the last three days, probably.
1: And that's such a lesser word than what I would probably. I know, I know, (laughs) I know.
0: know. Now that is a word. Maybe I should look up. What did he really say? There, did he say "fool"? You know, but yeah. So, uh, Jesus goes with this one and what we're gonna talk about next, but he goes to literally the heart of the matter. Um, Your outer actions might show murder and that's horrible. That's a sin against God and your neighbor. But I tell you, I'm worried about even your heart. And if your heart is leaning toward violence. So in your heart, there should not be anger or insult toward your neighbor because that is already starting to shift you toward potential violence. That is a high bar.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a personal health issue, too, if you want to look at it that way. Exactly. You know, the the if you're not thinking... You know, if you're not in harmony with the world, if you're thinking evil things, then that's going to have some adverse effect on your personal health.
0: Exactly. We've learned that now, right? I mean, what they probably knew from some instinct of watching people, uh, even then, we now know scientifically, this isn't how we're made. This isn't uh, what leads to abundant life in any sense, is harboring this anger and insult. Um, But it doesn't mean it's not a high calling and a high bar. Are we going to be perfect at it? Of course, we're not going to be perfect at it. But I hope we won't just say, well, I can't be perfect, so toss it aside. It should always be the bar we're aspiring to, even if we can't meet it every time.
1: Well, he adjusts the bar, but he doesn't say anything about penalties, whereas the original one kind of alluded to. That's right. So is it just understood that, look, I'm raising the bar, but... You know, if you, I'm, you shouldn't have to be stoned just for thinking of something.
0: Oh boy, let's hope not. Yeah, I mean, that would be rough. Uh, that is an interesting thing. What's the penalty? And I think maybe it goes back to what you were talking about, what we now know scientifically. Uh, there's no penalty. Well, I guess there's a penalty if you say something nasty to your neighbor. You know, they do have to hear that. But the penalty is almost all inward upon your own life, like you've chosen an angry and bitter and contentious life um, and you bear, others bear some cost to that, but you bear um, a cost to that. That's not, uh, I just keep thinking of how he said, Jesus said, you know, I came to give you life and life abundant, that's not abundant life to go around angry and insulting and so uh I don't know I the, the penalty seems to be sort of more inward because yeah nobody's going to pick up or well they might uh but I mean nobody's probably going to pick up a rock because they see for a scowl you on your face you because must be you, yeah angry. because you seem angry yeah, yeah. I know Okay, so there, the next one, though, Jesus does have a penalty for, and it's not pretty. Yeah, I don't
1: like that It's one not either. pretty,
0: but let's let's kind of move on to it, and we'll get to Jesus' part in a minute. But it is, dun-dun-dun-dun, uh, commandment seven, do not commit adultery. Here's some basics on it just to remind us uh, as we have our conversation. Um, it was uh, the punishment for this one in the law was if, Two parties are caught in adultery, both are to be killed. It was a, a capital offense, um, I think is what we would term it. Um, and the consequence was execution. Um, so very, very serious. It comes only after don't kill. Huh. Well, which you have pointed out the ironies of in Sunday school, you did like, wait, we just had don't kill. <laughs> yeah. and, but if you catch two people in adultery, kill them. This is where, yes, of course. But the other thing I want to point out is we can so often think when we hear this one, we're like, oh, my marriage, my marriage, my, 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 I need to protect, I need to protect. And yes, that's in there. But I do want to remind us again, this is in the second half of the commandments. This is all about the horizontal, all about how we care for our neighbor. So it's not necessarily a default for us to go here first but first and foremost this commandment is about preserving your neighbor's marriage it's about keeping your neighbor's marriage safe which boy that is not necessarily a way we think
1: no not at all i'm concerned more about my my marriage than i am my neighbor's marriage
0: exactly and
1: except for property values if they get divorced and somebody (laughs) else moves in you know
0: oh what if they rent it yeah i know (laughs) uh I know, but this is absolutely um, under that idea of this isn't about me first and foremost. This is about it is in my best interest. It's in our community's best interest um, to be concerned about the marriages in our community. We have a vested interest in your life together, which I think as Americans, not only is it kind of strange to us to hear, but it almost sounds nosy.
1: Well, I, in my mind, I'm not the, the educated one in this area, but, I mean, we're talking about a group of people that act as a tribe. Yep. And so anything that disrupts the tribe yep. is is a bad thing. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody's interrupting a marriage within the tribe, that's going to cause a lot of upheaval everywhere.
0: Exactly. It's going to have this ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we had talked about in Sunday school that, marriage and sexual relations really were for three reasons for them. Uh, the first was a stable family unit, you know, which was the building block, you know, of, of the tribe, of the village. So you need, you want that family unit to be as stable and working as well as possible. And for that, you'd like some healthy, uh, sexual intimacy within that, unit you know so that it doesn't dissolve and then we all have to deal with it so that's the first reason the second reason pretty obviously is kids they want you to have kids Um, they want you to have lots of kids actually and they also want you to know who the parents of those kids are uh, for inheritance and rights and everything and the third reason is um, it's kind of interesting it's this, the euphemism we have that we get from the Old Testament of sex, which is to know someone, you know, oh, they know someone. Well, it's a euphemism, but it comes from a place of the understanding that if you're gonna have sex with somebody, it should not be casual. It should not be a one-off. It should be because you are committed to them and you know them deeply. And this is a way to know them further. And so stable family unit kids um, and knowing someone deeply, adultery, they would say, you know, and I think we could all say, too, adultery cuts across all that and puts it all into question.
1: Well, and there was something else that I was thinking of, and then I kind of talked myself out of it, but I'll throw it out there anyway. <laughs> you know, there's the, the Jews were also about cleanliness, clean and unclean. Yep. And if you're having all this extramarital sex yep. then you are bringing in potentially you know sexually transmitted diseases into the family yep whereas if you're in a healthy stable relationship you know that's not going to happen in that way but you know if it was just simply worried about that then they would have said don't have sex outside of marriage as opposed to do not commit adultery
0: yes yeah, because somebody in class asked about, they were like, listen, when I was a teenager, a teenager, my parents brought up, you know, that the Bible says no premarital sex a lot. Where is that in there, you know? And it is in there, but uh, interestingly enough, it is mostly for the women. Um, it's, it's, it's frowned upon uh, for men to go out and quote, unquote, sow their oats. Um, but as long as they are not married, um, and the person they sow their oats with is not married or committed. Uh, eh, you know, there. Even then, there's this idea of like, well, boys will be boys. The the where I they got that real particular. I know where they got real particular about it was with the women. They should not uh, at all be having any uh, premarital sex. That's where you get the premarital sex thing. And it's because they're going to show the evidence. I mean, real practically speaking. They're going to show the evidence. And so in a, in a way that the son's family, the boy's family, is, may or may not have to live with any consequences, the daughter's family certainly will. Right. So, which brings us back to a thing that we don't maybe think about in adultery nearly as much, but was heavily on their minds. Um, and I think heavily on Jesus's mind. In that, remember, we're back at the ethical table. We have to care about the neighbor's marriage. Uh, we're called to care about our neighbor's marriage. And we also are called to protect the vulnerable in our society. And throughout the scriptures, every now and then, there seems to be a nod to, there might be a case where a woman would instigate adultery or a woman would, you know, be be at fault here. Almost all the language is about the male instigating it, including here in the commandment. It's, it's a male pronoun. You know, you is, is single, is second person male. Uh, they have gender in their language anyway, in their nouns and stuff. So it is second person may, uh, masculine to say you shall not commit adultery. And that's a power issue uh, versus powerlessness. Um, because you might skate away and she really probably won't. And you don't have that right. So there's this power thing that I don't think we think about if we're out to dinner with friends, and God forbid somebody says, "Oh, you know, so and so their marriage is ending." Well, there was adultery. You know, we are sad. We are maybe we're maybe uh, enraged. We're all kinds of emotions. We're probably not sitting around going, "Well, she'll be destitute." Now maybe we are, uh, but not in the sense that they were absolutely worried about it all the time.
1: Right. Well, you know, I I still have a hard time with the male always being the one at fault here. <laughs>
0: uh, well, I mean... I don't I, see any... Pro- no.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Everybody always talks about what's the world's oldest profession, prostitution. Yes. So that really kind of puts the female up there as potentially causing a problem.
0: Yes. But there's... <laughs> that's capitalism, though. Oh! <laughs> Oh, wow. There has to be a demand uh, to, anyway. I'm oh, sorry,
1: wow. I'm, I'm familiar with the term, that's different. <laughs>
0: Gosh. Well, it is, a, it is an interesting thing because there, there absolutely is a sense in these commandments and, and in, in some of the ethical uh, rules that come from them in like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you know, is that whole phrase of with great power comes great responsibility, there is kind of that undertone. Now, I don't think that should get anybody off the hook today. Uh, yeah, let's not worry about
1: the semantics of you. Today.
0: I don't think we're going to worry about the semantics of you today. Good. Uh, it's a whole, (laughs) it's a whole different ball game, right? Uh, a couple of those things that we were worried about with adultery uh, do still hold. I mean, I think we would all agree the more stable and, and happy our families are, uh, the better the entire village is. You know, that still holds true. Um, we're less worried about property, like let the attorney figure it out. Uh, that's less of a concern uh, probably than it was then. Uh, and we're less worried about that power dynamic. It might still be there, but it's probably not there in our world. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, the happiness thing back in the day, uh, they still made it difficult for divorce to happen and, and not call it adultery.
0: Yes, yes, that's what Jesus did. So if you go back to, if we return again to that Sermon on the Mount, where, boy, he just brings it, he says you have heard it said we know this phrase now you have heard it said do not commit adultery but i tell you don't even look at a and it says woman i'm sorry ken uh it says don't even look at a woman with lust and then it does give a consequence it says if you find yourself looking at a woman with lust you should pluck your eye out yeah and then throw it away as if you don't know what you're going to do with that eye once it's out but you should pluck it out because it's better for that than your entire body uh, to to be uh, in sin so again we're back to this like there could be Jesus is saying you know adultery is that outward action that's the last step in all the steps that came before and I'm telling you if your heart's already headed there with lust then the outward step is just the last step I don't want you to take any of the steps toward it you know and and I don't like.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take offense with what Jesus said. Well, is it's that, a
0: little offensive. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean,
1: can you really control that? I mean, there is a well. I don't want to get into great detail, but it, <laughs> I, you know, if you see of an attractive woman walking by, our eyes have retinas. It, it's it's going to register. <laughs> yes. And it's kind of like, oh crap! Now I got to pluck my eye out. Yeah. You yeah. know, for something I didn't really have any control. And I only over. have two of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Someone so keep the other one closed. This, this won't happen very often, yeah, yeah, before it's over. I know. I I don't think that these things he teaches us at the Sermon on the Mount, I don't think that they are supposed to come with easy answers. I think they are supposed to be lived with and wrestled with. Um, yeah. And. Uh,
1: but for the people that take the everything as black and white, this is what it says. Yeah. Versus, you know, let's study and see what the intent was. Yeah. Uh, It it makes life difficult.
0: Well, I will say, okay, I'll just say one thing about the divorce thing because you mentioned it because right after he says that you know pluck your eye out if you catch yourself lusting with someone right after that he connects adultery with divorce and he says you know you've heard it said that you can just get a certificate for divorce which by the way is what the men could get and then they could just that if they got a certificate and then they said i divorce you three times then the woman's out uh kind of no matter what the consequences are so he says you know you've heard it said you could just get that certificate but i tell you don't you dare divorce um, unless he gives one, one, one reason you can divorce, which is unchastity, so assuming adultery on the wife's part. Um, that is about the power there. That, that's him saying again, I'm sorry, but he's saying to the ones in power, just because you want to move on or trade up or something, um, you can't just it can't be this easy in your life because she doesn't get to do that. And you can't move on like this from her. That's a power issue. It's not about like ooey gooey love, right? It's about your responsibilities. But anyway, that's the divorce thing he says, which we live with the consequences of that now with, um, because there isn't necessarily the power dynamic, as we said, and yet we have a lot of folks who've been shunned by their communities, by their Christian communities even, for having to get a divorce. 2000 years after you know these statements and under very different circumstances so anyway not that we love divorce we wish a marriage could work but it can't always anyway what i was going to say about the taking it literally is and we ended class on this last week the sa- this week the same way is so here you have jesus saying even if you look with lust take your eye out don't commit adultery you know it's a sin the law said they have to be killed and then we have in John eight, you know, an adulterous woman brought before him who was caught in the very act and they're ready to stone her. And they're like, Jesus, you on board, you know? And this man who said all those things and means them says, you know, famously says, the person with without sin should throw the first stone. Ugh, the person without sin should throw the first stone and they all walk away. You know, so <laughs> to take it to say, well, I lusted and I, so now I have to pluck my eye out. I, I do need to balance that with this story of Jesus has the sinner in front of him and does not mete out the punishment that everybody on paper knows they deserve. <sighs> I'm doing a balancing action with my hands. If you, yeah. for those who can't see it, it's a, it's an interesting thing to live in between those.
1: I just wish he would have used the word, uh, oh, heck, now I can't think of the word, uh, hypocrite more often. Yeah. Because, you know, he he said that to, you know, the priests and Pharisees before, oh, ye hypocrites, but, you know, this would have been another good time to throw that word out there. And, you know, if we just all weren't hypocritical about things, you know, in today's society, you know, one political party says something, and then when the other political party does it, oh, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd...
0: We got a lot of stones in our hands, don't we? Uh, oh, you hypocrites. Exactly, and it's like, wait, 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 wait.
1: You yeah.
0: start throwing when you're without sin. Um, but boy, it, it does seem like we could learn a lot from that because we got those stones in our hands. Yeah. At the ready, yeah. Well, it's a it's a difficult commandment. But it's so short;
1: it shouldn't be. Shouldn't I be difficult know when it's, it's short. so short,
0: and li- and yet marriage is so long. Ken, <laughs> <laughs> can I say that as two people who we have been married, you know, to other people for a very <laughs> long time? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, uh, we'll hope they don't listen to this, since I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> short commandment, long marriage. That's
1: no, what we want. <laughs> let no podcast tear us under.
0: Exactly. Exactly. All right. Next week is Do Not Steal.
1: I'm sure there's going to be more complications than we'll be, we anticipate. We'll be ready.
0: We're going to be ready.
1: <laughs> is it as straightforward as, as it is short?
0: I don't know. I haven't read the chapter <laughs> yet. <laughs> I'm All right. I'm professor
1: will appreciate that <laughs> answer. Exactly.
0: All right. We will see you guys again, or we'll hear you guys again next week. Thanks for listening to the Ten Commandments on the OnePres pod. You can find all sorts of Presbyterian-related content here at this podcast. Be sure to like and review it if you are enjoying it. And check out OnePres.org for more information about First Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening.